0: So, brethren, it's a pleasure being here once again. And today is where I close off the chapter on divorce and remarriage. And since I'm closing, the segment today will be rather long. And I do hope for those who have missed my previous segments, or might have not been able to complete listening to any of the segments on divorce and remarriage. I know I have summarized all of the segments that I have done, and I have also added a few situations and a few poems from my late pastor, Brother Woodsworth Newman Caesar just to share with you brethren so it might be of some form of help or you can be able to share with someone who you might know that might be going through the same thing so all scriptures will be read from the king james version bible and i'll start brethren And time saints and brethren, we have come to the end of this controversial discourse. And what better way is there to end it than to summarize the high points that I have discussed so far and to include anything that may have eluded us along the way. To this end, the following points are here noted. Point number one. Marriage is the oldest god ordained institution given to man, as we read in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 to 24, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 to 6, Mark chapter 10, verses 6 to 9. Point number two. God intended that marriage should be a lifelong covenant between a man and a woman. To be annulled only by death as malachi chapter 2 verse 14 to 16 states mark chapter 10 verses 6 to 9 romans chapter 7 verses 2 to 3 and 1 corinthians chapter 7 verses 10 to 11 and verse 39 point number three Marriage is a God-witness covenant between a husband and a wife. That factor lifts marriage above all other social institutions and accords it due divine approval, as Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 states. Point number four: Marriage is the most sacred of all human institutions, as Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 states, Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 to 16 states. Matthew chapter 19 verses 46 Mark chapter 10 verses 5 to 9 Luke chapter 16 verse 18 and Ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 to 23 Right? So please note also too with this point that the church is a spiritual organism Point number 5 Marriage allows for the most intimate of all human relationships, surpassing even that enjoyed by parents and children, as Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 states, Genesis chapter 2 verse 25, Malachi chapter 2 verse 15, Matthew chapter 19 verse 6, Mark chapter 10 verse 79, and Ephesians chapter 5 verses 29 to 31 point number six under the Jewish engagement and matrimonial tradition an engaged virgin was considered to be the wife of her intended husband even though she was not yet legally married to him so Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 23 to 24 states Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 25 underscoring verses 19 20 24 and 25 respectively what obtained under the Jewish engagement and matrimonial system does not apply to our western system of engagement at all for whereas a wife in the west is one who is legally married to a husband under the unique Jewish engagement tradition an engaged Jewish virgin was legally called a wife, while an engaged Jewish man was duly called a husband. If in doubt, please consider Deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 23 to 24, then Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 to 20 and verse 24 respectively. Because of this unique difference between the Jewish and the Western matrimonial system, The church's doctrine on divorce and remarriage should be taken from Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 to 24, Malachi chapter 2, verses 14 to 16, Matthew chapter 19, verses 2 to 6, Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 12, Luke chapter 16, verse 18, Romans chapter 7, verses 1 to 3, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 to 11 and verse 39, respectively, instead of from Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 to 32, or Matthew chapter 19, verse nine, which deal with a peculiar Jewish custom that is alien to our Western matrimonial tradition. Fornication, that is heterosexual intercourse before marriage. Is the only god approved ground that jesus allows for divorce and remarriage under the jewish matrimonial system read matthew chapter 5 verses 32 matthew chapter 19 verse 9 in the old king james version and this amendment was specifically written to ensure that every prospective jewish wife kept herself pure until her wedding night for the accepted proof of her chastity was the maintenance of her virginity until her wedding day. Therefore, in an effort to ensure the maintenance of this holy standard, Jesus allowed her husband to divorce his prospective bride if she defiled herself before her wedding day. Hence the reason for the except for fornication in Matthew chapter 5 verse 32 and Matthew chapter 19 verse 9. Moreover, to avoid ambiguity, Jesus used... Poneia, P-O-R-N-E-I-A, for fornication, and Moikeia, for adultery in both texts, M-O-I-K-E-I-A. For a more detailed analysis of this issue, I had done a segment called Fornication. Persons can re-listen, or if you're not tuning in for the first time, you can head to my segments to listen to it. The liberal amendment to the original marital statute of Genesis chapter 2, verse 23 to 24, fell into the category of laws which were not good, as Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 25 states. And this liberal Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 to 3 amendment did assist in the disintegration of the Jewish nation. Therefore, Jesus, the true lawgiver, Repealed it, as can be gleaned by reading Mark chapter 10 verses 2 to 12, Luke chapter 16 verse 18, or even 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 10 to 11 and verse 39, for that matter. Now, point chapter 10. So, I'm really sorry brethren, right? From where I had said what obtained the Jewish engagement, that was point number 7 fornication that was point number eight and number nine was the liberal amendment that was point number nine so i'm going on point number 10 now brethren i do apologize for that jesus was firm on the fact that divorce and remarriage after one was legally married was neither approved by god nor endorsed by him this fact can be verified by reading matthew chapter 19 verses 46 Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 12, Luke chapter 16, verse 18, Romans chapter 7, verse 1 to 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 to 11, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. Point number 11. The Apostle Paul, the God ordained teacher of an apostle to the Gentiles, as Romans chapter 11, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 7, 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 7 or 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 11 supported Jesus' stand of no divorce or remarriage after one was legally married. You can doubt this fact until you read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 to 11 which clarify this issue for all who would receive the following. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 the verse goes like this. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. Let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she departs, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband. And let not the husband put away his wife, as 1 Corinthians chapter 10. As 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verses 10 to 11 states. So I'm still on point 11. So the scripture says the apostle is what Jesus commanded. Because of this fact, we know that the except for fornication clause in Matthew chapter 5 verse 31 to 32. And Matthew chapter 19 verses 7 to 9. Must refer to premarital unfaithfulness by an engaged virgin. This has been thoroughly dealt with in my previous segments. Therefore, I need not belabor the points here. So, if persons want to go back to listen on those um, segments that I did, you're going to head to... Fornication is the only God-approved Christ-endorsed ground for divorce and remarriage in the Jewish tradition. And you'll also turn to the unique difference between the Jewish matrimonial tradition and our Western engagement and matrimonial institution. Right? So because I had done those segments prior, I need not belabor the points here. Except to cite two Bible passages that confirm this fact which is Deuteronomy chapter 22 from verses 23 to 24 and Matthew chapter one, verses 18 to 24. Please note, brethren, that although the two virgins in both passages were only engaged and could not, under Jewish law, legally engage in sexual intercourse until they were actually married, as Matthew chapter one, verses 18 and verse 25 states they were nevertheless called the wife of their engaged husbands so that's Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 24 and Matthew chapter 19 verses 20 and 24 similarly the two engaged men in both references were called husbands although they were not yet married as Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 23 and Matthew chapter 1 verse 19 states So from these scriptures, therefore, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that neither the Apostle Paul nor Jesus Christ, from whom the Apostle Paul received these doctrines, as Galatians chapter 1 verses 11 to 12 states and Galatians chapter 1 verses 15 to 17 states, ever taught that a Christian can marry, divorce, and be remarried while one's partner was still alive. Read Mark chapter 10 verse 2 to 12, Luke chapter 16 verse 18, Romans chapter 7 verse 1 to 3, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 to 11. Then if you still have any doubt about that fact, read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 39 to 40 and realize that the liberals are totally wrong when they claim that both Jesus and Paul supported their modern divorce and remarriage stance. so point number 12 the points highlighted in point 11 surely destroy the liberals erroneous interpretation of first corinthians chapter 7 verse 15 which they try to use to teach that once a partner is innocent he or she is free to remarry moreover in verse 16 surely destroys all the liberals vain argument in favor of divorce and remarriage when it asks the following questions. So I'm reading 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 16, which states, For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? So that was 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 16. Brethren, the only way in which the faithful wife can save her departed husband or the faithful husband, his departed wife, will be by remaining faithful to the Lord and to his or her original marriage vow. By so doing, his or her faithfulness can draw his or her departed wife or husband to the Lord. On the other hand, if the innocent partner got remarried upon the departure of his or her spouse, there is no way under heaven in which the innocent can win the departed partner. With this, You must agree. And to prove that remarriage after the departure of one's marriage partner was not a Christian option, before Paul ended this marital discourse of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, God inspired him to end it with the following conclusion. So I'll be reading 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39, which states The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. So that was 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. This said the New Testament ordinance was communicated to the Roman church in almost those identical words. In fact, it was even given a more thorough treatment there, as can be seen by the following quotes in Romans chapter 7, verses 2 to 3, which states. For the woman which had her husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law. So the matrimonial law meaning of her husband. So then if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from that law, meaning the matrimonial law, so that she is no adulteress though she be married to another man so that was romans chapter 7 verses 2-3 to 3. so the scriptures is what god communicated to the apostle paul and that is what the god ordained the apostle to and teach of the gentiles meaning romans chapter 11 verse 13 first timothy chapter 2 verse 7 second timothy chapter 1 verse 11 Commanded Bishop Timothy to pass on to faithful men, not liberal men, to teach the church of Jesus Christ. That's in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And that is what all faithful and well-instructed servants of God will teach today. May God help us today to obey his way always. Point number 13. Experience alone will teach us that unforgiveness and unrestrained lust are the mother and father of this present divorce and remarriage debacle that is plaguing the church of Jesus Christ today. Read Deuteronomy chapter 24 verses 1 to 2, Matthew chapter 19 verses 78, Mark chapter 10 verses 4 to 6, right? And I had done a segment on that same topic. So what persons will actually look for is the segment on unforgiveness and unrestrained lust are the chief reasons for this divorce and remarriage mess. So point number 14. God calls divorce treachery and states categorically that he hates putting away meaning divorce. Read Malachi chapter 2 verse 14, verse 15 and verse 16 mr divorce and remarriage advocates on whose side are you that is my question please remember that friendship with the world means enmity with god so point number 15 the chief reason why moses amended the original matrimonial statute given to us by god in genesis chapter 2 verse 23 to 24 was because of the hardness of the hearts of the unforgiving Jewish husbands who pressured him into doing so. So Matthew chapter 19 verse 78, Mark chapter 10 verse 5 and verse 6 to 9. This liberal amendment can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 24 from verses 1 to 3. It was therefore repealed by Jesus Christ, the true lawgiver, in Mark chapter 10 verses 2 to 12 luke chapter 16 verse 18 and confirmed by the god-ordained teacher of the gentiles in romans chapter 7 verse 2 to 3 and first corinthians chapter 7 verses 10 to 11 and verse 39 respectively so point number 16 this liberal divorce amendment fell into the category of laws which were not good as ezekiel chapter 20 verse 25 states it therefore Assisted greatly in the disintegration of the Jewish nation. And it will have the same disastrous consequence in the church of Jesus Christ if it is not dealt with expeditiously. Point number 17. Misplaced affection most inevitably lead to spiritual destruction, as Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 6 states. To avoid this, therefore, God admonishes us to set our affection on things above rather on things temporal, as Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 2, 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 states. Point number 18, the permanence of the marriage covenant is established by the following quotes. What therefore God has joined together, let no man, be he preacher or justice of the peace, Be he warden or ship captain, it matters not. Put asunder. So Matthew chapter 19 verse 6, Mark chapter 10 verse 9. For a married couple is no longer two separate individuals for all marital purposes. Instead, they have become one flesh. So that's Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, Malachi chapter 2 verse 15, Matthew chapter 19 verse 5. Mark chapter 10, verse 8, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. Until the death of one partner. What a divine mystery. So point number 19, brethren. The marital principle that God, our creator, ordained and set in train for the godly, peaceful, and pleasurable occupation of planet Earth is clearly established for all mankind in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 to 24. This is God's matrimonial law for all of humanity as long as the process of procreation shall last. Moreover, the purpose for which this divine marital ordinance was ordained is unambiguously stated in the last book of the First or Old Testament. The following quotes, brethren, and online listeners, unmistakably highlights in Malachi chapter 2 verse 15, which states, and did not he make, meaning them, one? And wherefore one? Or for what purpose did he make them one? To this question, God himself provides us with the answer. And the answer is in Malachi chapter 2, verse 15 that he might seek a godly seed. After having given us the reason for having ordained this divine marital statute, he immediately gave us the following admonition to prevent the disintegration and inevitable destruction of earth's civilization. So Malachi chapter two, verse 15 to 16 states, therefore take heed to your spirits and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, said that he hates putting away meaning divorce so that's malachi chapter 2 verses 15 to 16. and why does god hate putting away meaning divorce he hates it because it leads inevitably to moral degeneration and violence as can be seen by the following quotes in malachi chapter 2 verse 16 which states for one covered violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirits that you deal not treacherously. So that's Malachi chapter 2, verse 16. So the scriptures is absolutely clear. So that point, point point, point nineteen is absolutely clear. God gave us the marriage statute for the godly and orderly occupation of planet earth. This being so, my dear brethren, it is obvious to me that divorce then is a treacherous violation of this God ordained the statute, even a violation that leads to violence and the eventual disintegration of every civilization. The Pharisees of Jesus, they tried to obtain his approval for the upholding of an unholy amendment, which Moses, under pressure, allowed the rebellious Israelites. So that's Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 to 3. This unholy amendment, brethren, is quoted below for your convenience. So I'll be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 to 4, which states, When a man had taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he had found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house, or if the latter husband died, which took her to be his wife, her former husband Which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife, after that she is defiled. For that is abomination before the Lord. And thou shalt not cause the land to sin, which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. So that's Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 to 4. Now they prove that Jesus did not accede to their wishes to endorse this abominable amendment can be seen by reading matthew chapter 19 verse 79 in the old king james version especially the gospel according to saint mark which reads from mark chapter 10 verses 2-9 to so i'll start from verse 2 and finish at verse 9 which states and the pharisees came to him and asked him is it lawful for a man to put away his wife tempting him and he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered, allowed us to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart he wrote you this precepts, but from the beginning of creation God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. And cleave to his wife. And their twin shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twin. But one flesh. What therefore God had joined together. Let no man put asunder. So that's Mark chapter 10 verses 2 to 9. And for those who ignorantly teach. That Jesus taught that a married person. Not an engaged person. As Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 23 to 24. Or Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 to 24. Show can divorce and legally, as far as God is concerned, be married again. Pay heed to Jesus' reply when questioned again about this said issue on the self same day. The following declaration, brethren and online listeners, was Jesus' conclusion on this controversial divorce and remarriage issue, which he gave his disciples when questioned about this said issue afterwards in the house, as Mark chapter 10 verse 10 states, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another, committed adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committed adultery. So that's Mark chapter 10 verses 11 to 12. This is what Jesus taught. And this is what all true and well-informed ministers of Christ will teach today, irrespective of the pressure or motivation to do otherwise. Point number 20. Now to prove that my humble conclusion is a genuine one, the apostle Paul who was mandated by God to teach the Gentiles, as 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 11 states, in dealing with this said issue, wrote the following. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 10 to 11, which states, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord. He is obviously referring to Mark chapter 10, verse 11 to 12, and Luke chapter 16, verse 18. Let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she departs, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife first Corinthians chapter 7 verses 10 to 11 this said doctrinal line was established in Romans chapter 7 verses 1 to 3 so the scriptures shared today these doctrinal positions therefore is what Jesus Christ the head of the church and the Apostle Paul the God-ordained teacher and apostle to the Gentiles taught and that is what god expects us to believe obey and teach today brethren and online listeners the marital covenant given to us in genesis chapter 2 verse 23 to 24 has been and still is god's divine habitational plan for populating planet earth in a godly and orderly manner this fact he explained in malachi chapter 2 verse 15 And immediately after doing so, made it unmistakably clear that he was totally against divorce in Malachi chapter 2 verse 16. Now Jesus, who is God's final lawgiver, as Psalms 108 verse 8, Isaiah chapter 42 verse 4, and Isaiah chapter 51 verse 4 states, Being tempted by the Pharisees to endorse the old liberal divorce and remarriage amendment, which Moses, God's first lawgiver, John chapter 1, verse 17 states, was pressured into writing in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 to 2, totally rejected their request, as can be seen from Mark chapter 10, verses 2 to 5, Mark chapter 10 to 12, and Luke chapter 16 to 18. then two in an effort to maintain premarital chastity he allowed for divorce and remarriage under the jewish tradition only for premarital infidelity this is what gave rise to this controversial except for fornication phrase now to us in the west this might seem a bit strange but not for the jews whose engagement qualified them to carry the title of wife and husband, even before they were legally married. See Deuteronomy chapter 22 verses 23 to 24, or Matthew chapter 1 verse 18, verse 19, verse 20, verse 24 and 25. If in doubt, and understand the difference between our matrimonial tradition and that of the Jews. Moreover, to prove that Jesus never taught that one can divorce and remarry after one was legally married. One only has to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 to 11 and verse 39 in which the apostle Paul, who received his doctrines from Jesus Christ as Galatians chapter 1 verse 11 to 12 states made it absolutely clear that Jesus commanded that should there ever be a separation after one was married, the separated partner should remain unmarried or be reconciled to her former mate. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 10 to 11, then verse 39. Brethren, because of this Christ given, Paul delivered commandment. We know that neither Jesus Christ nor the Apostle Paul, the God ordained apostle, too, and teacher of the Gentiles, supported divorce and remarriage while one's married partner was still alive. Read for yourselves, brethren, Romans chapter 7, verse 1 to 3, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 to 11, verse 39. My dear brethren and online listeners, before I close, I feel constrained to digress a bit to deal with a very pertinent issue one that has to do with the impact with the new versions of the bible are having on encouraging gross immorality in the church of jesus christ today thereby fulfilling that second thessalonians chapter 2 verse 3 prophecy of the last day falling away please pause and pray before you read the following now i had done a segment prior which um the topic is true christian unity is three-dimensional or else is unscriptural in which i dealt with the new versions of the bibles i indicated then that the majority of the new versions were in most instances nothing more than modern man-made perversions at this time I am even more convinced that this is so. And if you don't believe me, just conduct the following research for yourselves. Look carefully in most of the new versions at Matthew chapter 5 verse 32 and Matthew chapter 19 verse 9 and see if your Bible has the word fornication. You would hardly find it there. Instead, You would find unchastity, unfaithfulness, lewd conduct is a separate case, or some word or phrase that connotes sexual immorality generally. The word fornication has been eliminated totally and for good reasons, as you will soon discover. Well, broadly speaking, there is a linkage between fornication and sexual immorality for the term sexual immorality covers all aspects of illicit sexual activity however we all know that there is a marked difference between homosexuality and bestiality moreover an incestuous act though falling under the broad category of sexual immorality, is not necessarily an adulterous act. Likewise, an adulterer is not necessarily a fornicator. This being the case, brethren. Therefore, to replace the word fornication by a word or a phrase that means sexual immorality generally, Is to do violence to the word of truth. And injustice to the cause of Christ. Therefore. When in your much loved and reverend modern versions. The word fornication. Which defines unlawful sexual intercourse. Between an unmarried male and female. Or sexual intercourse between one single person. And a married person. Is removed and replaced by all these general sexual terminologies the translators have successfully destroyed the true meaning of jesus teaching in matthew chapter 5 verse 32 and matthew chapter 19 verse 9 and have eventually opened the door for the liberals to falsely teach that jesus allowed for divorce and remarriage for sexual immorality generally when he never had such a ridiculous idea at all. By their modern versions, therefore, they have effectively made void Jesus' teaching by doing away with the word fornication in Matthew chapter 5 verse 32 and Matthew chapter 19 verse 9 respectively. These modern versions, therefore, were specifically designed to give Among other things, textual support to this divorce and remarriage and other modern heresies. Brethren, that is why the campaign against the old King James Version Bible is so unrelenting. But woe be unto those so-called scholars that lead God's people astray by deliberately replacing the word fornication in Matthew chapter 5 verse 32 and Matthew chapter 19 verse 9 by words or phrases which suggest adultery or some other form of lewdness people of god wake up be absolutely careful with those new versions and hold on to your king old king James version bible For even if some believe that this is not 100% perfect, in it, all the original doctrines of the church are preserved. With it, you will be able to weather all heretical storms. Yes, with your old King James Version Bible, you would be able to contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered to the saints in 2nd timothy chapter 2 verse 2 Jude chapter 1 verse 3 having dealt with the negative impact with the majority of new versions are having on the original doctrines of the church we cannot return to our original theme of summarizing the relevant high points of this discourse point number 21 Now, neither Jesus or Lord nor the beloved Apostle Paul ever taught such a ridiculous thing that one can marry a second wife or husband while one's first married partner was still alive. Never! This fact can be seen by reading Mark chapter 10, verse 11 to 12, Luke chapter 16, verse 18, Romans chapter 7, verse 1 to 3 first Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 to 11 and first Corinthians chapter 7 verse 39 and at any time dear pastors as a son to a father and as a daughter to a mother please consider what you all are saying for you all will be held accountable for every soul that you lead astray therefore You should seek to be a marriage problem solver instead of being a divorce and remarriage facilitator. Christian friends, my Christian brethren, and all of my Christian online listeners, and even those who are not Christians and are listening, before I end and close this divorce and remarriage discourse, I kindly enlist your wholehearted support to pray daily that the true church of Jesus Christ would muster the courage to do something about this divorce and remarriage curse. And time saints and brethren, look again at Malachi chapter 2 verse 12 to 13 and observe that God promised to cut off the man, be he master or scholar that divorces and remarries out of the tabernacles of jacob meaning israel in addition he said that he would also cut off him that offered and offering into the lord now the question i am asking you why is that why is that and the answer is so that he might discourage divorce and remarriage moreover he said although they were covering the altar with tears with weeping and with loud crying as long as they were divorcing and remarrying he would no longer regard their offering nor would he receive it with goodwill from their hands read malachi chapter 2 verse 13 for yourselves brethren now when Those Jewish divorcees inquired of God why he was rejecting their offering and threatening to cut off the scholar and even the religious zealot out of the tabernacles of Israel. Read Malachi chapter 2 verses 12 to 13. God replied that he was going to do that in order to show his great displeasure against them for their blatant disregard for the marital covenant of which he himself was a witness read malachi chapter 2 verse 14. this act of divorce my dear brethren god calls it treasury read malachi chapter 2 verse 14 for yourselves brethren nevertheless says god if even you divorce your wife and marry someone else as long as your first wife was still alive as far as I, God, am concerned, your first wife is still your married companion, even the wife of your marital covenant, read Malachi chapter 2, verse 14, with whom you have dealt treacherously by having divorced her. This then is how strongly God views divorce and remarriage, my dear brethren. Now, after having labeled divorce and remarriage as treasury, God went on to explain why he established the marital covenant at the beginning in the garden of Eden. The reason he gave was that he might seek a godly seed. Malachi chapter 2 verse 15. Again, brethren, please read it. Because of this fact, He again warned them against dealing treacherously against the wife of their youth. Malachi chapter 2 verse 15 against brethren. Please read it. Moreover, to communicate to them his great disdain for divorce and remarriage, he stated quite emphatically the following. For the Lord, the God of Israel, said that he hates putting away, meaning divorce, therefore take heed to your spirits that you deal not treacherously meaning that you do not divorce read malachi chapter 2 verse 16. brethren the scriptures shared here today is god's point of view on this divorce and remarriage issue it surely highlights his hatred for this end-time heresy brethren What is shared today? The scriptures Malachi chapter 2, 14, 15, and 16 was said while God faithfully pleaded with his people, his Old Testament bride, Israel. Israel is God's Old Testament bride. Read Isaiah chapter 54 from verse 48 to return to him so that he might return unto them. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 7, Now, when one remembers that this book of Malachi is the said one that divorce and remarriage advocates use to enrich themselves by urging their members to pay tithes, it is indeed shockingly strange to see that this said tithes book of Malachi is never remembered when dealing with this all-important divorce and remarriage issue. Wake up, O church of Jesus Christ! If Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 to 12 is God's word when tithing is the point at issue, Malachi chapter 2 verse 12 to 16 is most assuredly God's word on divorce and remarriage too. With this you must agree with me, brethren. My dearly beloved and true loving Christian friends, online listeners, It is an open secret that Satan is making a last-ditch attempt to destroy every soul and every godly household. However, if on God's pure word we truly lay hold, joyfully we shall be when his face we behold. Brethren, this crucial divorce and remarriage discourse comes to an end today as I'll be closing off this segment on divorce and remarriage. And next week I'll be starting on a different segment. I pray you carefully consider this following matrimonial poem. This was written by my pastor. This poem was written by my late pastor, Woodsworth Newman Caesar. So I'll share this poem with you today. Millions are really confused today and have forsaken the narrow way. But at this, one need not dismay, for we are again living in Noah's day. Alas, alas, tis the last day, and we are witnessing the final falling away. At this, some would mock, while others will chatter, but only the pure will go in the rapture. Now let us embrace this privilege and manfully uphold our heritage, some would agree while others will fuss but divorce and remarriage is sacrilegious yes this is truly the greatest irony when the liberals charge jesus with complicity but to this accusation jesus would say what are the shepherds that led my sheep astray divorce and remarriage is a last day heresy that has caused untold misery Tis an hatred of violence and promiscuity, and is unrivaled, un, and is unrivaled in destroying society. But even at this time of Earth's history, Christ's true bride must resist infidelity, for divorce and remarriage always breed immorality, and is nothing else but legalized adultery. So that poem shared was from my pastor, Woodsworth Newman Caesar. So brethren, I now move on to point twenty-two which states and this is my last points brethren before i end so my dearly brethren and online listeners finally whether you are a reputed theologian or an ordinary layman like myself this know oh brethren that this end time divorce and remarriage heresy is a satanic plot to destroy God's church This is easy to decipher, if only you dare to inquire. Moreover, in order to assist you to come to terms with this matter, I have detailed the following pertinent facts for you, my dear brethren, to carefully consider. In St. Mark's gospel, Jesus made his most comprehensive reply to this divorce and remarriage issue. When asked twice in one day, The following question, is it lawful for a man to put away, meaning divorce, his wife? Read Mark chapter 10 verse 2 and also Mark chapter 10 verse 10 if in doubt. Jesus, our Redeemer, the head and builder of his church, gave his disciples the following simple, plain, and straightforward answer when questioned twice on this matter. Whosoever shall put away divorce, meaning his wife, and marry another, committed adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away, meaning divorce her husband, and be married to another, she committed adultery. Mark chapter 10, verses 11 to 12. Then in St. Luke's gospel, when dealing with the unchanging principles of the kingdom of righteousness, Jesus said the following, relative to this divorce and remarriage issue. It is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law to fail. Whosoever put it away, meaning divorces his wife and marrieth another, committed adultery. And whosoever marrieth her that is put away, meaning divorced from her husband, committed adultery. So that's Luke chapter 16, verses 17 to 18. Brethren, against the backdrop of Jesus' total rejection of divorce and remarriage, as is clearly indicated by his pronouncement in both St. Mark and St. Luke's Gospel, consider what our new versions of the Bible state, and what our liberal theologians falsely claim that Jesus said in St. Matthew's Gospel. The following affront is what these honorable men of the cloth claimed Jesus said. Whosoever shall put away divorce his wife, except it be for adultery and shall marry another, committed adultery. And whosoever marrieth till which is put away, meaning divorce, commits adultery. Matthew chapter 5, verse 32. Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. I just paraphrase what all modern theologians believe and teach. Now, my brethren in the name of sincerity and truth, when the Matthew texts are read alongside that of St. Mark and St. Luke's, isn't it plain to see that St. Matthew's texts as interpreted represent an outright contradiction instead of an exception? Of course they do. Is Jesus the author of confusion? Jesus is never the author of confusion. Therefore, brethren and online listeners it must be obvious that the new versions were surely created in order among other things to facilitate this end time divorce and remarriage perversion with this you must agree moreover my brethren to prove that Jesus Christ never supported post marital divorce and remarriage as the liberals claim he did as the liberals claim he did one only has to read carefully what the Holy Ghost who came to guide us in all truth inspired the apostle Paul the God approved apostle to teach and teacher of the Gentiles read Romans chapter 11 verse 13 1st Timothy chapter 2 verse 7 on your own time so the following is self-explanatory and is surely supportive of my humble conclusion and unto the married I command yet not I but the Lord let not the wife depart from her husband but, and if she departs, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away, meaning divorce his wife. So that is First Corinthians chapter 7 verses 10 to 11. So my dear brethren, isn't what was shared in First Corinthians, in Romans and all these other scriptures in perfect harmony with what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 10? verses 1 to 12, and Luke chapter 16, verse 18. And the answer that question, brethren, is of course it is. Moreover, to ensure that Jesus' no divorce and remarriage message was properly communicated, the Holy Ghost further inspired the apostle Paul to add the following confirmation. The wife is bound by the law, meaning the matrimonial law as long as her husband liveth, But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. So that was 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 39. Now, if what the Holy Ghost inspired the apostle Paul to write is God's final revelation on this divorce and remarriage issue, all sincere Christians must be convinced that God is absolutely against this divorce and remarriage affair, absolutely against it, as was stated by Jesus in both St. Mark and St. Luke's Gospel. This being the case, it is plain to see that the Old King James Version Bible rendering of Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, and Matthew chapter 19, verse 9, which allowed for divorce only for the sake of fornication, which is premarital infidelity, is what Jesus said and what he expects all members of his body, his church to believe and teach today. Because of these facts, brethren, I know that my conclusions are doctrinally sound, while the easily accepted divorce and remarriage interpretation of the liberals as sincere as they might be is absolutely erroneous. To say the least, (coughs) liberal brethren, Divorce and assist others to to divorce, if you will. But for God's sake, please refrain from implicating my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the beloved Apostle Paul in this divorce and remarriage wickedness. Brethren, as painful as this heresy is to our Savior today, my consolation is this as I come to an end. God's word will stand forever I repeat God's word will stand forever therefore until we meet again over some other doctrinal matter what I would like you to do is to continue praying for the body of Christ because the church need prayers and for God to rise up true true leaders and true believers, faithful men and women of God, who will be able to speak the truth and allow persons' lives to be saved. So brethren, now I know that some will accuse me of being unrealistic since there are situations in which a marriage breaks down and where the limb or even the life of an individual is threatened well, In such cases, the Bible is not altogether silent and the following divine directive should suffice in such a situation. So I'm reading 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 to 11, which states, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she departs, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. So that was 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 to 11. So the scripture that I just read is what God's word says, and that is what we must adhere to if we call ourselves Christians. So let me say for example, if there's a situation where a husband walks out on his Christian wife, what should she do? okay, So some might arguably say, what should a Christian mother do when her husband walks out leaving her to suffer with his children? Shouldn't she seek a divorce and be remarried, even it be for the children's sake? She can do so only if she does not believe what is written in Romans chapter 7, verse 1 to 3, or 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 to 11, verse 39 or Mark chapter 10, verse two to 12, or Luke chapter 16, verse 18. Then you may ask, how then should she get by? What must she do then? The answer follows. She should take her plight to her local assembly. So if she's attending church, she take her plight to the church, which should gladly support her until she finds gainful employment to take care of herself and her children. Yes, brethren. If we would but practice the love which we loudly preach, this situation that I just mentioned there, that suffering would surely decrease. Okay. In addition to the aforementioned measure, the local assembly should engage in serious intercessory prayer with fasting and petition our heavenly father to have the marriage restored or resolved in such a way that would not compromise the church's image in the community and the wider world. Okay, so I'll give another example. So let us say where an unsaved couple got married, then divorced, then one partner got saved, is such an individual free to marry all right so this question becomes relevant when we learn that some are arguing that if a married man or woman was unsaved got divorced then got saved that that one is now free to marry since he or she is now a new creature this line of reasoning could only stand if marriage did not predate christianity brethren read matthew chapter 19 verse 3 to 6 mark chapter 10 verse 2 to 12 and observe that in dealing with marital relationships jesus is pointing all to genesis chapter 2 verse 24 and not to calvary in dealing with this god-ordained institution of marriage This makes marriage the oldest and most sacred of all given institutions. Now, when one reads what the Holy Ghost, the final teacher, in John chapter 16, verse 2 to 13, has to say on this issue in Romans chapter 7, verse 1 to 3, Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 to 11, and verse 39, and Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 31, one must pity those who subscribe to such ungodly logic to justify what god says he hates in malachi chapter 2 verse 16. brethren if one were to accept that situation that i just mentioned as permissible i would like to know what advice one would then give to the original married partner who believed in the sanctity of marriage as joseph in egypt or kim Or king Abimelech in Gira and remain faithful to his covenantal marital vow who truly got saved and desired to be restored to his God-witness marital partner in Malachi chapter 2 verse 14 so are those pastors who illegally joined the saved brother's wife to someone else willing to answer to God for putting asunder what God originally had joined together Read Genesis chapter 2 verse 24, Malachi chapter 2 verse 14, verse 15 and 16, Matthew chapter 19 verse 4 to 6, Mark chapter 10 verses 2 to 9, Romans chapter 7 verses 1 to 4, and 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 39. And be advised accordingly, my dear sisters and brothers in Christ, now, if you are prepared to answer for the man's inability to be reunited to his lawfully wedded wife, then you can continue to encourage the disintegration of the family, the community, the country, and civilization generally. But if you are not prepared to answer to God for aiding and abetting the disintegration of the God-ordained institution called the family, you should turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10-11, to 11, and understand why the Holy Ghost inspired Paul to write the following in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 to 11, which states, And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband, but and if she departs, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband and let not the husband put away his wife. Now the question I'm going to ask, why is this so? Why is this so? This is so because of the following God-given reason. The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if he be dead, she is at least to be married to whom she will only in first Corinthians chapter 7 verse 39. So let these answers be your guide if in God's truth you sincerely wish to abide. Brethren. This first Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10 to 11 command was specifically given to the church to prevent the confusion that must arise. Should we adopt the heretical stance of marriage, divorce and remarriage I repeat, text written to forestall the case. Arrive, should we do otherwise? Corinthian text, therefore, provides a God given window of opportunity for reconciliation. And this window, brethren and online listeners, must never be shut by man or any institution. Now, when we remember that marriage was ordained of God so that he might seek a godly seed, can you imagine the ungodliness, hatred, and violence that must result if we trifle with this divine institution? The evidence is too clear for us not to So before I end, of this marriage, divorce, and remarriage segment, I beg that you consider the following carefully. It is common knowledge that every person who wishes to join the army, the navy, or the police force, the teaching fraternity or the scout movement, for that matter, does so with the full understanding that he or she must be prepared to submit to the respective rules of that entity and this is understandable and laudable and makes for the preservation of the above-mentioned fraternities. Without this safeguard, therefore, the uniqueness of the respective above-mentioned fraternities would have long been compromised. Notwithstanding this universal norm, we observe with great dismay that the only institution where everyone believes that the rules must be bent in order to accommodate his or her peculiar situation is the church of our Jesus Christ. Now, I am asking the question, brethren, why is this so? Why is this so? Now, my answer to that question is this, that is so because the fear of the Lord has departed. And everyone seems to be doing their own thing. Now, that is a pity and that is a tragedy. And may God help us before time changes to eternity. Now, I am going to give another example. So, where one claims that he or she was tricked into marriage. Now, this scenario surely has two sides to it if you had no dealing with a person who used some evil power to seduce you contrary to your will, then the church of Jesus Christ has the power to deal with such situations. For once our obedience is complete, we can avenge all such disobedience. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 16. If, however, you were flirting around with an individual and got maritally involved only to find out later on that what you perceived to be gold was really brass. In such a situation, you would have to ask for grace to run that marital race. In addition, you should consider Jacob who after having worked for seven years for Rachel woke up after the first night of his honeymoon and found that leah was given to him instead undoubtedly one would argue that that was enough grounds for a divorce but not so with god his man jacob had to submit to the marital tradition of that country at that day then one would ask how does god view such a situation The following should be of help to you, my dear brethren and online listeners. Although he was tricked into that situation, God not only blessed that union, but used it to produce the two priestly tribes of Israel. Please remember this. If you have been a trickster and you got tricked, be reasonable, console yourself, and be prepared to eat the fruit of trickery whose seeds you must have sown. Remember this. While God forgave David, the sword did not depart from his house. Then too, consider the apostle Paul, who, notwithstanding the fact that he was forgiven and made an apostle, had to face some music for his past life. These facts can be verified by reading what the Lord told Ananias whom he sent to look for Paul, who was just converted to Christianity. Ananias protested on the grounds that Paul had an evil past of persecuting the saints at Jerusalem. So to the above protest, therefore, the Lord accordingly responded, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles, And kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Read Acts chapter 9 verse 15 to 16. Brethren and online listeners, I trust that what I'm sharing today will continue to be a source of help to you as we continue to grapple with this difficult divorce and remarriage issue. So I'm going to share another example, brethren. Let us say, this is a new heresy that states that marriages which were conducted under non-Christian rites are null and void, and as such, are not recognized by God. So brethren and online listeners, let us look at this example. So this example deals with the diabolical notion that states If one got married outside of Christian rights, that is to say, as an Hindu, Muslim, Buddhist, or some other non-Christian religion, that former marriage would not have been recognized by God. And so, that individual would be free to be married under Christian rights, with the full blessings of God. Brethren and online listeners, Nothing could be further from the truth than what was just shared. Full gospel, heretical position that contradicts the God-stated position that monogamous marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but mongers and adulterous God will judge. Read Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 for yourselves, brethren. You see, this example and this heresy is an effective satanic tool to break up homes of duly married couples while it also allows so-called men of the cloth to enrich themselves by remarrying previously well-to-do married couples and make them members of their congregation now what a tragedy brethren to prove that monogamous marriage that is one man and one woman marriage is honorable in all, irrespective of the religious rights under which such marriages were conducted. Let us together study the life of Abraham, the father of faith, even our, our father, Galatians chapter 3 verse 7 to 8 and verse 29, to see under which rights he was married and to see how God viewed him accordingly. Let us turn to Joshua chapter 24 from verse 1 to 2 and observe the following. So I'll be reading Joshua 24 verse 1 to 2, which states, And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Seshem, and called for the elders of Israel, and for their heads, and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dealt on the other side of the flood in old time. Even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nashor, and they served other gods. That is Joshua chapter 24 verse 1 to 2. So it is absolutely clear. The God of Israel has informed us that Abraham's father was an idolater. Joshua 24 verse 2. What the above Joshua verses imply is that Abraham was married under heathenic rites. With this you must agree. But this is not all that we can learn from Abraham's marital union. For not only was Abraham married under heathenic rites, Abraham's marriage was an incestuous one, as can be seen by the following. And yet indeed she is my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. She became my wife, Genesis chapter 20 verse 12. Now, this is not written to prove that God approves of incest. Don't get me wrong, brethren, and do not interpret me falsely, please. For he does not approve of it. This fact has been made clear in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 9. Accordingly, the nakedness of thy sister, the daughter of thy father, or daughter of thy mother, whether she be born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover. Read in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 9 for yourselves, brethren. Nevertheless, what is clear from sharing today, though, is this. God called Abraham while he was already married under heathenic rites and even incestuously. And although he was going to change that lifestyle in Abraham's descendants, as Leviticus chapter 18, verse 1 to 30 indicates, since marriage the first God-ordained institution given to man was honorable in all. The God of Abraham not only blessed Abraham's marriage, but afflicted Pharaoh and his people who intended to interfere with Abraham's wife as the following verses show. And it came to pass that when Abraham was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that she was very fair. The prince also of Pharaoh saw her, and commended her before Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abraham's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done to me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why sayest thou, she is my sister, so I might have taken her to me to wife? Now, therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. Read Genesis chapter 12, verse 14 to 15 and verse 17, 19 on your own time. So the scriptures above that I just shared took place in Egypt, but the following took place in Gera, when Abimelech was the king. Notice, if you will, that although Abraham told them that Sarah was only his sister, first exposing his wife to the king. God's approval of Abraham's heathenic marriage was highlighted by the fact that God shut up the wombs of the people of Gerah for Abraham's wife's sake, while Abimelech was restrained by God from interfering with her. Genesis 20 verse 1 to 13. So from the episodes in Abraham's life, therefore, it is evident that Hebrews chapter 13 verse 4 is correct when it states the following, marriage is honorable in all and the bed undefiled, but who among us and adulterers, God will judge. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. Therefore, from the case study of Abraham's marriage, therefore, we know beyond the shadow of a doubt that this modern-day full gospel heresy, which states that God only recognizes Christian marriages is a satanic heresy that is designed to break up homes, while it serves to enrich certain men of the cloth who welcome these previously duly married couples into their assemblies for financial gains, while they pretend to be caring shepherds. What a pity and what a calamity. And as I end, may God open the eyes of his end-time church before it is eternally too late. So brethren, that's the end of my segment today. I will be live next week again. Remember, Jesus Christ is returning and he will be returning soon. Prepare yourselves for Jesus Christ's return. Spend time on a daily basis and read your Bibles. Surround yourselves with people who want to walk this straight and narrow path. You cannot have one foot in church and one foot outside. Satan will make a mockery of you. Both feet must be inside. Brethren, serve Jesus Christ. He is the only true and living God. Satan cannot give you anything. Jesus is coming to prepare for us a new heaven and a new earth. Brethren, have a safe and productive week. Jesus Christ loves you, and I love you. So bye for now, and bless.